Are you glad that Jesus gave us good news? Are you glad that, that in God's heart he decided a long time ago that he wouldn't give us a message about gloom and gloom and things of that nature? He decided his message would be entitled good news. Are you glad for that? It's not bad news. It's not so-so news. In fact, if, if I were to give it the terminology, I'd say it's great news. It's beyond good. It's way better than, than anything normal. It's powerful and it's strong. And I guess over the last month of my life, maybe uh, God's done a work of reconnecting me uh, to it in a greater capacity. I don't know if you're like me or not, but sometimes uh, you might find yourselves getting disconnected from things that are really important. You find yourself doing that? There's a story. Uh, you guys may remember uh, the, uh, some of the stories from Greek mythology. You guys ever study that like in history and all that stuff? There's, a, there, there's, there's this character in there called Mercury. In Greek mythology, in Roman mythology, he's Mercury. In Greek mythology, he was, he was called Hermes. And he was the messenger. You remember that? I found something interesting as I was looking up this word messenger. It came across, you know, you can, you, you, when you put like the word messenger, all kinds of things would come up, you know, if, if you Google something or whatever on the Internet. And I ran across this thing about uh, this fellow Mercury. You know what's funny? His, one of his, his dad, who was also a god, um, gave him, he was, he was the, the god over the gods, which I find kind of funny, um, made him a messenger. You know why? For two reasons. He was, he was very fleet of foot. He was very fast. And it signified by the, the, the wings he would wear on his, remember, his, you know, the FTD, the guy in the FTD logo. Remember that? With the, the, the wings on his hat and on his feet and stuff, that, that's him. That's where they get that. They're delivering the message with the flowers, you know, right? The reason his dad gave him that job was because he was very fast, very efficient in doing what he did. He was very quick. But also, he is also the god of mischief. And his father figured he could keep him out of trouble if he would just give him a job to do. I did not know that. And I thought about my life. Sometimes when I get off track and I find myself getting into things, it's because I've got off the message. I failed to be intentional about sharing the message, about being uh, empowered by the gospel, the good news. I'm not too much different than Mercury. I can find myself getting sidetracked about what's important in life. I can find myself being detoured by things because I find myself at a disconnect with this thing called the gospel, the truth, the message of God sent to the world. I find myself getting, getting, getting away from it. Some of you in this room, we had a discussion somewhat on Facebook or on, on home, uh, at Connection Group Leaders the other night. Uh, how many of you guys are attached to Facebook in some capacity or another? Twitter? Anybody, tw anybody? Anybody tweet? Only got a couple of tweet, tw Twitter tweeters. Huh? Over here, over here. You guys like that? I've not quite got the, the bug yet. On a personal level, I've not quite got afflicted uh, as of yet. But I, a lot of people do. My wife's afflicted with it. But you know what? Everybody likes about that is the connection it keeps with the people you know and you care about and you like. 
and it keeps you abreast of the news that's going on around people's lives and different things like that. Don't you? Is that why? Is that why y'all do it? Am I? Am I? Am I? Am I telling the truth? You're looking for some sort of a connection, and life's so busy and hustle bustle. Am I right? Well, the same thing. Some of you love that, and that's fine. I have no problem with that. Um, you know, I got, I got to be really honest. For me, one of the greatest things, one of the greatest things about being in Kenya was, dude, I had no access to a cell phone. Sprint told us we, I could at least text. When I got as far as London Heathrow, my phone's going, looking for service, looking for service, looking for service. And after a couple hours, I thought, okay, that's useless. I thought, they lied. They lied to me. And but you know what? It turned out to be a blessing because there were just, I, didn't have a, I didn't have a computer with me. It was just like, it was like totally technology detox. I've gotten so used to not having my phone now. I, I, I was gone for three, three weeks. I charged my phone one time while I was gone in Kenya because I was only using it as an alarm clock. I had like the phone thing turned off so it wouldn't search for service constantly. And, I just used it for, and once in three weeks, I charged the thing. Then when I found out, I, f- I keep forgetting to charge it when I get ho- when I, since I got home. I was out Friday. My phone's completely dead. And I'm like, oh, great. What is that? And then I went home and charged it and forgot to grab it two other times when I left the house after it was charged. It just sat there. So if you tried to contact me anytime, the like, like anytime between like Friday morning and like sometime Saturday afternoon, I apologize. This thing was still being in Kenya mode. And so... We like it because we, st- we like things like this because it, we think it keeps us connected. Am I right? We love the technology that, that we've been afforded because it keeps us connected, supposedly, right? Well, here's the thing. We need to maintain that sort of connection with the gospel of Jesus. We need to have a love for the gospel of Christ like we have for Facebook, like we have for Twitter, like we have for texting, like we have for email, like we have for all those other things that we think keep us connected. We need to have the same love and the same passion for the gospel of Christ. I'm spitting already. I just seen stuff fly out of my mouth. We, we need to have that same passion for, for, for the gospel. Let me encourage you along some lines. We need a reconnection. Let me tell you about the necessity of the gospel. The gospel is the foremost thought of God's heart. And it is the foremost idea of Scripture. This gospel that we find within the pages of this book, it is God's heart. It is God's hope. It is God's desire for humanity. This good news, it starts before Genesis was ever written, and it ends way after our lives on this planet are over. The gospel is the heart of God. So you're going, Aaron, I'm, 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 kind, of, I'm kind of, you know, I, I know that. I, I know we know that sometimes here, but sometimes we get away from that here. There needs to be a love for the gospel. A love that's passionate. A love that uh, we, we was prayed in prayer meeting this morning about the overwhelming sense of the presence of God and how it can be breathtaking. There needs to be love for the gospel that's so passionate that it takes everything else away out of us. It just when we sit and think about the goodness and the greatness and the love and the power of God, it just ah. Oh. 
I, I, I can't get away from it. You know, you, know what, you know what keeps going through my mind? I, I, I found this scripture as we were, we were in Kenya, and it, it stays, it, it, there, there, there's two or three that just kind of have, have hung out in my, in my head and in my mind. It, it's Psalm 62, 2. My, my, my wife, as I, I, I told her about it one a, a evening when we were allowed to use one of the phones that they allowed us to use while we were going, we rotated it through um, the, the, the team there. I told, her, I told her about when I got home, all my kids had memorized it. Every night before I go to bed, my son Caleb goes, Dad, I want to do Psalm 62 too. And I say, have at it, brother. And he says, he is my rock and my salvation. He says, salvation. That's how he talks. Salvation. He is my fortress. And he looks at me and he smiles. And I will never be shaken. That's the gospel in a nutshell. He alone is my rock. He alone is my salvation. He alone is my fortress. And I will never be shaken because he is that. It just I, Every day I quote that thing. Every day I think about that. He alone is my rock. He alone is my... And salvation, you know what salvation is? Salvation is all-encompassing. So you say, well, I've been saved for I don't care how many years. Listen, you never get away from a state of salvation and needing salvation. Never. Never, 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 never. Salvation encompasses all of our lives. It encompasses us physically. It encompasses us emotionally. It encompasses us relationally. It encompasses us mentally and spiritually and eternally. Salvation is all about everything about our lives. At least it should be. Let me me encourage you about something else. The greatest need for our culture, for our nation, for our world, is not some new social program. It's not some bailout plan from the government. And it's not some idea that the IMF came up with. And it's not some idea that the G20's got. And it's not some idea that some egghead on a college campus thought would be a good idea for us to get involved with. The greatest need of our culture and our country and our world and our community and our families is the gospel. That is the greatest need. And if you talk yourself into that anything else is more important, you are missing the boat. I'm sorry for spitting so close to you, Nancy. Some night, I don't know what it is, some days, I don't know what the lights are done, I can see it more prevalently than other days. Like today, I can just see it, it's like, I don't know why. I'm going to get Nancy a shield. The greatest need of our culture is the gospel. The greatest need of our, of, of our people, of our families, of our sick ones, of our neighbors, of, is the person of Christ being ex- exposed to them by the power of the gospel. That is it. When you're praying at night, you should not be praying to come up with a new idea. You should be praying to get the idea that Jesus is the answer. He is the only answer. When we think we've excelled beyond that gospel, we're putting ourselves in a place where we become less than fruitful in the kingdom. Jesus said, we talked about this last week. Jesus said, my father, I have not called you, I have not... You have not chosen me, I've chosen you. I've called you, he said. And I've called you to bear lasting fruit. Earlier in that passage, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. 
And John 15, he wants us to know that, he, 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 that his vineyard is growing, that things are happening, but it's attached to him. And we're attached to him by one thing, by the gospel of Christ. That message of good news that God loves us, that he knew us before we were born, that in spite of our I'm getting ahead of myself, in spite of our sin, he saw us, he loved us. The greatest need all of us have, every one of us, still today. Why do you say that, Aaron? Because I, I just read the words of that song that were on the screen. Daily, a thousand times, I stumbled. Still your mercy remains. Though I fall again, I'm caught in your grace. How many of you like me today could go, you know what? I am so glad that the gospel is relevant today. I am so glad that the gospel is true for me today. Maybe, maybe like me, there's been some things that you've done that even today as you think about it, you're like, dude, you're a total doofus. You look in the mirror and you go, okay, what was that all about? You big jamoke. What's a jamoke? I have no idea what a jamoke is. When I was in high school, whenever we'd mess up on a football field, that's what our coach would call us. And so it's just, it's just kind of, I heard that for like four solid years from my head coach and my football team. And so like every time I mess up, I just look at myself and go, you big jamoke. I have no idea what a jamoke is. I have zero idea. But I feel like one most of the time. In our weakness, in our failing, the gospel is true for us every single stinking day of our existence, of our lives. There's not a day we don't walk in the mercy of God. There's not a day we don't walk in the grace of Jesus. There's not a day that we don't need, that, that, that we don't need him and his power and his strength. There's not one moment of our time on this planet that we can believe that we can be away from him and everything be all right. Are you, are you, are you find yourself being ashamed of things you've done, things you've thought, things you've said, things you should have done and didn't do. Have you found yourself doing that? I do. Oh, my goodness, do I. Are there times when you think about your life and your shortcomings and your sin, and at night you lay in bed going, dude, I don't know, I am so goofed up. Do you find yourself doing that? You need the gospel. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. It makes no difference. The gospel is what we live and eat and breathe by as Christians. Without it, we have nothing. I used to, I told you guys this story. I'm going to go back to football. Is that okay? I know it's summertime. I know the only thing we got to really enjoy about football is whatever they're saying about the draft and all other stuff. You guys who are really big, profound, and we're like in the middle of baseball season, but like football is kind of my deal, so I'm kind of like into that. Okay, so let me tell you a story real quick. In football, we, my, my high school team, we were horrible. We were so bad. I think we won three games my entire junior and senior season, and we had to give them back because some stupid guy on our team forged some grade sheets. He was failing. We won three games. We had to even give those back. Ah, oh, man. Ah. And what's funny about it was our coach would always try 
to find some creative way to win a ball game. We had every trick play in the book, man. Every stinking trick play there was, every kind of defensive scheme, every kind of, and we changed that bad boy from week to week to week to week to week, and half the time, most of us didn't know where we was coming or going. I can remember one time, there was a, there was a, there was a specific offense we started, tried to run, and when the defense shifted, one tackle guy, he was a big dude, his name was Zeke. And the reason his name was Zeke, because his given name was, was Zavala Draga. And not only, was his, not only was his name Zavala Draga, his middle name was Blossom. So Zeke sounds a whole lot better. And this dude was a mountain of a man. He was a tackle. He was about 6'3". He was like over 300 pounds. He, that was back when those face, those face mask visor things just became, you know, kind of the thing everybody wore. And he wore a black one so you couldn't see his eyes. And he was, I mean, he was huge and wore a big, you know, and just looked like he, but he had a voice that sounded like this. Hello. And so we were running this offense one time, and he, he was supposed to, if the defense shifted and he needed help, he was supposed to shout as loud as he could, load, which means I need help down here on this end. And he would go, right in the middle of the game, he goes, load. I don't know whether anybody didn't hear him. I don't know whether the person, because we changed things up so much, didn't know what to do when that was yelled. Anyway, anyway, that whole side of the line just got obliterated. <laughs> he went on to play football. He's a very good football player, actually. He, he went on to play football for Florida A&M University. And um, he, he was a good ball player, but he just had this funny voice. But what I'm saying is, we did so many different things. Half the time, we didn't know what we were doing. Because just, everything just got really complicated. There was this team called Northeast that was in the northeast corner of, uh, of St. Petersburg. They were great every year, every year, every year, every year. Every, they were just perennial, just, man, they just beat the tar out of people. They'd go play for the, the county and the district championship and on to the state play, and they were just good, good, good. And I can remember reading my senior year article. They were interviewing the head, the head coach for them at the time, and he said, you know what? I thought, oh, boy, sounds so familiar. He said, some of these teams have these playbooks that are this big. They're that big. He said, ours, we run about nine offensive plays, about two formations, about the same thing on defense. That's about all we do. He said, here's what we do. We do the fundamentals, and we do them very well. And over the course of my life, I've found myself, when I make my Christian life really complicated, and I try and get really intense about it, I try, woo, you know, and don't jump off a big bunch of things, I really find myself getting messed up, not being able to do a whole lot. But when I keep it simple, and I keep it fundamental, and I keep it foundational, man, my life goes someplace. The gospel, I get the gospel in the forefront, man, that I'm here as a messenger to share that thing, no matter where I'm at, no matter what I'm doing. I just had a story last night, I had somebody call me last night, want to tell me about being at National Day of Prayer for the noon session. They said, I was just sitting there, and all of a sudden I noticed this guy was sitting next to me. He said, well, what's going on? And, and he said, I can't even explain what was happening. Next thing you know, they feel a nudge of the Holy Spirit. You should talk to this guy. Keep talking. Turned out this guy was waiting to see his parole officer. Didn't see any other family around him, but he was sitting there. And then the next thing you know, is the, the, the thing transpires. His wife and his two children end up there. And they start talking, and God already planted in their heart, they should give this guy a track and some money. And, and, they start, and the next thing you know, the door just opens up for great ministry, and you think, wow. See, that's living as a measure and saying, you know what, I'm just here. 
I'm here to pray, but no, you're not just here to pray. I'm here to be a messenger. The gospel is of utmost importance. It's, it is not, not just something I do. It is the thing that's most important. I am living by that. Well, this guy named Paul, he writes about that. I asked you a minute ago about what, if you're ashamed of anything that you've done, anything that you are, anything that you find yourself messing with. Paul writes these words in Romans 1, 16 to 17. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is. Listen to me right now. It is. It is. It's not sometimes. It's not once in a while. It's not most of the time. It is always, forever, shall be the power of God unto salvation. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. The Jew first, and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith, now listen to this next line, that a righteous person has life. I want to encourage you about something. The power, this is the power of God at work in us. Saving everyone who believes. Do you know that there's, there's a process of salvation you are currently going through? At one point in time, at one point in time, you, made, you, made a, you said a prayer, you asked Jesus to come into your life, you made a confession of faith, you did something. But you know what? That process didn't stop because you got up and walked away from whatever altar that you were at. Whatever place, wherever place you knelt down and said that prayer, whatever place you were when you confessed Jesus the Lord, that, 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 that saving process did not end at that moment in time. That saving process continues day after day after day. The Bible says we are being changed from glory to glory. That every day is a new, new adventure in this salvation process, this saving thing that we get to be a part of. Listen to me. And it, it is all-encompassing. I said that a minute ago. This, this word salvation has everything to do with everything about your life. Today, if you are in need of some sort of uh, physical touch from God, it is in the plan of salvation for you. If you are needing some emotional stability, it is in the plan of salvation for you. If you are in need of some sort of wisdom and guidance, some alleviation of some mental stress or something, it is in the salvation plan for you. If you are in need of eternal uh, safety, you are in need of, of coming in contact with your Heavenly Father today, and you've never heard this message of the gospel, listen, that is in the plan of salvation for you today. If you have some relational issues, it is in the plan of God for you today. It is. If your home is in dire need of something, that is in the plan of salvation. It is, this gospel is the power of God for your circumstance, for your situation. It is always and forever. And the reason we struggle with things is because we get away from what the gospel is about. We lose sight of what really is the most important thing about life. And the most important thing about life is that Jesus is that. He is life. That's kind of neat because I, 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 I didn't want to go through the whole thing. I just wanted to show you this. It's just all of us, all of us, find ourselves trying to make decisions 
every day about whether we're going to choose a carnal, sinful way of dealing with stuff or if we're going to choose God in the middle of it. That power of God unto salvation is at work always in our life. The sad thing is some of us find ourselves being bold about the thoughts of the gospel. We understand we understand the, the ins and outs of it. We know the Roman road and we know John 3.16. And you know what? And we're not we're not ashamed always. Some of us are. Some of us have a hard time expressing our faith to others. Some of us aren't. If we give the opportunity, we just say, hey, the gospel says you, know, you need to be saved, blah, blah, blah. But you know what we have to, you know what I find this a lot of times having, I would say maybe living in a, in a, in a shameful capacity is every day trying to live like he wants us to live. We're not necessarily ashamed by our words or by our mouth. Sometimes we're just ashamed by the conduct that we exude. And that's where we need the power of God to overtake our lifestyle. That it needs to be the most preeminent, most important, most fascinating thing in our lives. I don't know. I don't know about. I realize that there's so many things vying for our attention. There's so many things grabbing a hold of us. It's hard for us not to go there. Because of Facebook. Because of Twitter. Because of this hobby and that thing and that situation at work and that other thing and, and all this stuff tries to invade and get into us. Things at home. and Jesus wants to save you out of all that mess. Listen. If you're facing some kind of a addictive issue today, maybe some of you are there trying desperately to get away from nicotine. Maybe some of you today are trying to desperately get away from alcoholism or prescription meds, or maybe some of you have other issues like porn. Maybe some of you just just find yourself out on Facebook or someplace and find yourself listening to a bunch of stuff. And you're like, I don't want to go there and listen. To I don't want to. And next thing, if you spent like three hours listening to conversations via that kind of stuff, you just didn't listen to, and your mind's kind of. You're like, I can't get away. Listen, the gospel of Jesus is the power of God to save you out of that mess. Today, it emerges, this Romans 1.16, it emerges from the person of Christ. The good news is it comes out of the person of Jesus. There is no other way of salvation. There's no other way of hope for you. There's no other, you can go to a psychologist, psychiatrist, they may give you some weapons and some tools and things like that, you may go to counselors, but listen, the basic thing about this, the power of God unto salvation for you is the person of Christ. It emerges out of him, no place else. The place of your healing is found in him. The place in, your, in, 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 in your, your hope is found in him. The place for your situation, your wisdom is found in him. Listen, it is empowered by the person of God. The Father of God has put his own power into this message of the gospel. He has put his own thing in there. It is the power of God. He gives it strength. He gives it life. The one who spoke everything into existence gets behind these words and he, he, he infuses them with life. He infuses them with power. He infuses them with strength. And it can change every circumstance. It can change every situation. It can change kingdoms. It can change nations. It can change this world it can change your home it can change your job it can change your community 
I talked a few weeks ago about this thing about the call of serving and stuff. Imagine if all of us would go armed with an idea of serving and pack the gospel with us. Imagine all of us going out about and just finding people who have great need. And only taking our, our, our resources financially or materially or whatever our skills and our talents, and not only going just doing good things, but imagine us going with the power of the gospel and saying, you know what? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's given this to me. I'm giving it to you. I'm not going to placate. I'm not going to be politically correct or anything. I'm just going to tell you the truth, the way I see it, the way God's exposed it to me. It's coming at you. Get ready. Imagine that. The power of God could change. This gospel, it ends the result of it, it ends in salvation. It intends in the saving, it ends in the saving of the lost. It ends in the deliverance of the captives. It ends in the freedom to those who are bound. It ends in the healing of those who have deaf ears and, and blind eyes and lame legs. It ends in the salvation of the complete person. It ends in that. It is the result. The result of the gospel is life transformation. It ends in salvation. You got that person at work you just can't stand. Maybe you should start praying for them. Maybe you should start going, you know, God, use me. They're, they're just out there somewhere. The power of God through you could end in their salvation. That's what he's got you there for. And here's the great thing about it. It extends to everyone. The thing that makes this good news is this is not some religious isolated sect of people that this extends to. It ex- the, the, the measure of the good news is it is for everyone. Every human being that ever has lived, every human being that will ever live, every human being that will ever breathe oxygen, have blood pumping through their veins, it extends to everyone. So every candidate, every person you see in life is a candidate for the gospel. God desires that we bear not just some fruit. He says much fruit and lasting fruit, and we bear much fruit and lasting fruit when everything about our lives revolves around the gospel of Christ, our desire to share him, to love him, to show him, to give him to people around us, it it extends to all of them. Some of you would think, there's this one person, I don't know if they could ever be a Christian. Watch out, because that's probably the one, the next one God's tapped on the shoulder and said, you know what, this one is mine. This one belongs to me. The foulest mouth, the ugliest personality, whatever. He might be, that might be the one right now. God's word. Maybe they're so angry and frustrated and ugly is because the convicting power of work is on the inside of them and they can't get away from it and they, just, and they don't know how else to respond. It extends to everyone. Don't get anybody out. How connected are you? Some of you today may not even be connected at all. I look around the room, I'd say most, if not all of you, have already experienced a connection to the gospel. But right now, in this moment in time, how connected are you to it? Paul said, I'm so connected to it, I live, eat, and breathe it. Do you live in constant contact with this gospel? Why do you say that, Aaron? Romans 1.17 in the message, we just read it, it says, God's way of putting people right shows up in the acts of faith. Let's say it one more time. 
Romans 1.17 in the message reads like this. God's way of putting people right shows up in the acts of faith, confirming what the Scripture has said all along. The person in right standing before God by trusting Him really lives. How long has it been since you felt like you're really living? Does pressure get to you? Does life beat you up? Does it seem like a long time since you've done more than just exist? Reconnect yourself this day with the gospel. Reconnect yourself this day to the person of Christ, to the power of the Holy Spirit, to the truth of God's word. It is the power of God to you who are being saved today. Paul's quoting there, the, 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 the just shall live by faith. We've, we've read it before. It's, it's, it's a direct quote from Habakkuk chapter 2. And it says in a New Living Translation in Habakkuk chapter 2, Then the Lord said to me, Write my answer plainly on tablets. Take my message. Make it clear. Take my message. Take my truth. Take my gospel. Make it clear. So that a runner can carry the correct message to others. The vision is for a future time, our time, I believe. It describes the end, and it will be fulfilled, he says. It seems slow in coming, but wait patiently, for it will surely take place. I don't know where you are, and maybe it seems like the answer is well, well long ways off. Maybe you're thinking, I know the gospel's good news, but in my life I can't see it. Listen, wait patiently. Don't get in a hurry, because it will be fulfilled. It will not stop. It will be it, what, what God has declared will happen. Salvation, the power of God, will overtake your life. It will overtake the lives of your children, of your people, of your neighbors, of your co-workers. It will overtake this situation of sickness in your body. It will overtake the, the, the relational issues. It will overtake the financial problems. It will overtake the, the emotional, mental stress. It will. You wait patiently. It will. It is the power of God. It is the good news of God that brings life. And he goes on to say in Habakkuk chapter 2, it will be fulfilled. It will not be delayed. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves, and their lives are crooked. But the righteous, the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. The message reads in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4 like this. Look at the man bloated by self-importance, full of himself but so empty. But the person in the right stand before God through loyal and steady believing is fully alive, really alive, it says there. When we find ourselves in shame about the gospel, most of the time we find ourselves lifted up in pride. Now back it says here, look at the man who finds himself walking in self-importance. He's bloated, but he's so empty. See, when we put other things above the gospel, we put other things about the, the, the message, the mission that God's given every person who calls himself a follower of Christ, not just the preacher, not just the pastor, not just the evangelist, not just, not just the, 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 the teacher or any of those, the prophet or the apostle or whoever, not just those people, but all of us who call ourselves followers of Christ are supposed to live with the message of Jesus living and breathing on the inside of us, ready to proclaim it at any point in time, ready to share it at any point in time. When we, when we fail to do that, we blow ourselves up in self-importance, and we find ourselves becoming, like Eugene Peterson translates there in the message, soul empty. Other things have encroached. 
we don't live necessarily ashamed to, to say it. We just are ashamed to live it sometimes. There's just too many other things going on, too much other stuff happening for us, too many other things that are encroaching and impeding and growing. And listen, the one thing God's going to look for on this planet of those who've been faithful. What does Jesus say at the end of time? Enter in, you servant of the Lord. You've been faithful over a little, am I right? What's little he's given us to be faithful over? Just being a messenger of this gospel. Just to be able to share it. Just to be able to declare it. And when we find ourselves being so empty, it's because we've allowed the, most, the other important things of our lives to encroach upon the life of Christ being conveyed through our lives. I've been there. I think probably every week I get a gut check about being there. Things just catch up. Life just keeps rolling. Things just keep happening. And I find I'm just, all my little schedule and things are really, really important. Let me say this. It's not about an instantaneous connection. There is a life-transforming moment that happens in all of our lives. We come to Christ. We come to Christ. We become a new creature, the Bible says. There is an instantaneous fast of this. But this thing keeps growing, and it stays growing as we stay continually connected to the person of Christ through the gospel of Jesus the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. Reconnect. So what do I do? Reconnect right now today at a relational level. Paul wrote, this is accomplished from start to finish by faith. We talked last week about what faith was. Paul told Timothy to stir up the faith that was imparted in him by his mother. We talked about faith was not just mere belief. It was belief that was accompanied with a lifestyle. Didn't we say that? It was conviction accompanied by lifestyle. Listen, today is the opportunity for you to reconnect relationally to the gospel and say, I'm not going to just say I believe something. Today, I'm reconnecting at a relational level, and it's going to be everything to me. I'm going to live out a lifestyle of faith and power. Remember the, remember the illustration I gave you last week when we live intentionally for the gospel and how one side of the room grew like crazy, and next thing you knew, the, the pews were empty. You Remember that? That's what I'm talking about, reconnecting at that level. We are called as a church, a, a body of believers, as a church, an assembly. Let me, tell, let me say this to you. A church is not a building. When Jesus said, I will call my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, it had nothing to do with a structure. The church, the word Jesus used there had to do with an assembly of people who were called out once from the general population to exude a, 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 a it, it, was, it was a legal term. They were those sent by the government, they were pulled out by the government to be an extension of the policy of the government into the lives of the people around them. That's what, that's what a church was. It is no different today. We are called to reconnect, realign to the commission proclaiming the gospel. Get back to Matthew 28. Get back to Mark 16. We are called to realize that this gospel ends ends in salvation, and we should do our part in the salvation process. Paul wrote this one place, "One one plants, one waters, but God provides the increase. Jesus tells us at some point in time in the future, the reapers are over going to take overtake the planters, the sowers. We ought to be putting ourselves in line, finding our place in the kingdom, because we want to be a part of that process and be a reaper of the lost souls of men. If anything else is more important to us, I have to wonder how connected we are to the person of Christ, because nothing is more important to him than that. Nothing. 
He's more concerned about that than if the dollars were to keep its value, believe it or not. He's more concerned about that than if your place of business is going to stay open. Ooh, are you serious, Harry? I'm, I'm, I'm completely serious. He wants his gospel to overtake your life. He wants his gospel to overtake your life. He will take care of you. He'll make provision for you. This salvation is a total life-giving thing all about your life. But it does not mean that everything's going to be peachy king all the time. And the more we stay connected to his gospel and his commission, the more we will get through that. A few weeks ago, we studied on Wednesday night. When things are unexplainable, you have to focus on the undeniable. That's a defining moment for most of us. Because there are lots of things about life we can't explain. Things we can't figure out. You know what's undeniable? God has called you. God loves you. And he has a plan for your life. I was talking to a pastor while I was gone, and he told me this. He said, Aaron, the mission for all of us is already spelled out. He said, we all have the same mission. You all this talk in church circles and businesses. What's our mission? What's our vision? What's our core value? What's all that? He said, the mission's given to all of us, and it's all the same. The mission is, and he said, the mission is found in Matthew 28. The mission is found in Mark 16. It is the great co-mission. That is the mission for every person who calls himself a believer. And I went, yeah, you're right. He said, the vision is how it looks like it being carried out in your life or in your church or in your organization or whatever. That's what, the, that's what vision is. Mission is all the same for all of us. So tomorrow, you got to wake up tomorrow going, I have a mission to accomplish. Today, as you go around wherever you go this afternoon, whatever your job is, I need to re and better connect myself to the gospel of Christ. And there's something else you need to do. You need to respect the need that every person has for salvation. Every person has a need for salvation. Let me ask you a question. What if, we, what if we all lived like that? What if we lived every day respecting the need that everyone has, every person has for the gospel? What if we all lived knowing that that clerk at the store needs the gospel? What if we lived knowing that that neighbor across the road who does all kinds of crazy stuff to drive us nuts, has a need for the gospel. What if we lived in knowing that that family member who just completely gets, what if we lived that way? Jesus told us, he left us with this commission. He gave his disciples this commission. Preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature. What if we all lived that way? You know what's amazing to me? Jesus stands on that mountain some 2,000 years ago, tells them to meet him here. I, found, I came across him a few months ago. It really drove, drove me crazy. Jesus has, been, has died. They watched him die. They watched him get beat to a pulp. They, they, they heard him saying that they were going to kill him. He's going to raise in three days, and it was all going to happen. And he tells them to meet them at this point the Mount, on the Mount of Olives. I'll see you there in a couple of days. It was pre-appointed, Mark 16 says. I think it was Mark 16, no, Matthew 28. And he's standing there, and he shows back up to them there on, the, there on the mountain. And it said, and they worshiped. And then it goes, and some doubted. Are you joking me? They watched him get beat up, crucified, thrown in a tomb, and they see him standing in front of him, and they go, and some doubted. But that's just like us, isn't it? Today you may be doubting whether the gospel can save you. 
save your friends, save the situation that you find yourself in the middle of, if it really is the power of God. You know, I like these guys, but you know what's amazing? God took those guys, even some doubted, those 12 guys, and the Apostle Paul was, a, was, a, was, was put into their assembly later on. He took those 12 dudes, those 11 guys on that mountain, the Apostle Paul, and without any kind of technology whatsoever, the biggest piece of technology they had was some kind of a mule or a sailboat or something like that. And you know what they did? They changed the whole stinking world with this message. Paul said one place, he said, I was beaten up and I was torn up and he didn't have anything but the gospel. He was armed with nothing but the gospel. That was it. And they changed the world. Now imagine, I discussed some things. Imagine right now our world. We got things like Facebook. We've got things like Twitter. We've got where I can be here today and tomorrow I can be sitting on the, on the ground in Nairobi, Kenya that fast. Imagine today if all of us got serious about spreading the gospel, about living connected to the gospel. The world could be turned upside down like that. And Pastor Joe, who was the guy who was leader of our team when we were going, he looked at every pastor as he was commissioning them. He, he would point his finger out in the crowd. He would go, why are you holding Jesus from coming back? All these pastors and churches are like, what are you talking about? He'd go, Matthew 24 says, this gospel shall be preached to the ends of the world. Then the end will come. Why are you holding Jesus back? Why are we holding Jesus back? Let's get about it. Let's get about sharing the gospel. Let's not be ashamed in the way that we live, that we may speak the right language. Let's, let's not be ashamed to call him our friend, to call him our love, to call him our life. Let's not be ashamed to live in close proximity to his gospel every moment of every day. Will you stand with me, please? Imagine what would happen to the world around you. What would happen in Kingston? What would happen in Ross County? What would happen in Southern Ohio? What would happen in the state? What would happen in the nation? What happened in this world all Jesus had with 12 guys. In this room right now, we've got probably 10 times that. Wow. Let me say something to you. The gospel is the power of God. It's the power of God for where you are. It's the power of God to where I am. Yet he is the Savior. There is still a Savior who saves. There's still a God who heals. There's still a, 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 a cross that bleeds and a, and a, and a tomb that's empty and a, and a Christ who's coming again. All of that is still true today for you. Absolutely. There's still a Savior who washes sin away from your life. There's still a, there's still a liberator who sets you free from the addictions you face. There's still, a, there's still a, 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 a peace that passes understanding that can be applied to your life. There's still a joy that can be your strength and propel you through any adversity. It's still true for you in this moment, in this day, in this time. Leaders, would you please come with me? And join me here. If you have a need of any kind, you need salvation to take hold and take root in your family, in your home, in your body, in your workplace. Maybe today, as I've been talking about the gospel, there's somebody who's in your life you know is not right with Christ. You're like, I need to do something. The place you start by getting close to them is by giving them prayer over their lives. Come join in prayer with somebody and ask them, ask God to, to, to show up in that, that person's life.
If you have need of, of salvation in the form of healing, if you have need of salvation in the form of, of, of getting wisdom, if you have salvation, you need salvation to show up in the form of financial help and things of that nature, if you need those sorts of things, there is a God present right here, right now, who does all of that. His salvation is all-encompassing about every area of your life. If you're far away from God today, I need to tell you the gospel again. The truth of the fact is there is a God who loves you. The truth of the fact is, you've got problems. We call that sin. We can't keep it right. And without his salvation at work in our lives, there will be nothing that will make it right. So he sent his son named Jesus, who loves us, who died for us, who came to be the propitiation, the substitute for our sin, died on a cross, was buried, arose in three days to say you can be, just like I had the power to free you from sin, I have the power to make you the son of God or a daughter of God. The Bible says after that, he was seen by many, even as many as 500 at one time. And it goes on to say he was, he ascended into heaven, and one day he's coming back. Roman historians, Josephus and Octavius and others, give credence to that. They've written about Jesus as a historical figure that those things really happened. These guys were not believers in Christ. They were just historians. If that is true, you have a decision to make. Are you going to reach for that hand that's reaching up towards heaven, down from heaven towards you? Or are you going to deal with all the trash and the garbage down here you've been contending with? Jesus says, come, and I will overtake your life in every capacity. I'll overtake your life where sickness is concerned. I'll overtake your life where, where confusion is concerned. I'll overtake your life where sin is concerned. I'll overtake your life where addiction is concerned. I will overtake your life. I don't know, I know how to connect to him. Well, that's what we're standing up here for. Let us help you make that connection. Father, in this place, let salvation, let the gospel overrule us in power. Let let the gospel, let the work of the Holy Spirit, let the truth of God's word, Father, God, overtake us. God, let the power of Christ be evident and resident here, God, to free and to save and to deliver and to heal. I don't know what situation you might have today. But I will assure you this, the power of God unto salvation is sufficient for that circumstance, for that situation. Allow one of us to pray for you. Allow one of us to lead you to a a relationship with Christ. Allow one of us to pray for healing for you. Allow us to do that. Lord Jesus, show up in your power and your strength and your life. In your way, Jesus, we bless you. If you have need, come. If you have need, come need salvation to take hold, to take root in some capacity or another. Just come. Something's going on. Some healing needs to take place. Just come. Some strength needs to be given.